Well, good evening, Hope Bible Church, Ottawa. Uh, what a blessing to be able to worship again with you here. Welcome to those of you who are online. I'm glad you're tuning in online. You're not missing as much, but we do look forward to the day very quickly when you will be back with us and experience what we've just experienced in this room. Let's open up our Bibles to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 uh, to 15. If you don't have a Bible, please put up your hand. And our ushers are coming forward right now. We want to put a copy of God's Word in your lap. Joshua chapter 5, put your hands up nice and high. And uh, we need a Bible in front of us. We need the bread of life. And it's on page 104. Our text tonight is on page 104 of those Bibles that were just handed to you. And here we are in the second message of this little mini-series on the life and faith uh, and work of God through uh, man, a regular, ordinary man, struggled with fear, struggled with doubt, struggled with weakness, and his name is Joshua. And this message tonight is so timely in the sovereignty of the Lord. Um, as we get set to launch into the ministry year, as Kevin mentioned in announcements next week, and as we look around and we see this current state of our world that we are in today, and there's a question that we need to get right off the top, and it is this, uh, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on? See, this is a question that each of us is confronted with literally every day. Did you see that? Whose side are you on? We, we are confronted with it when we scroll through the news, when we scroll through our social media accounts. We're confronted with it in conversations, even subtly, maybe not overtly, but our world is so divided that the number one question that's being asked is, whose side are you on? We're faced with it in the public sphere in regards to our stance on social issues, aren't we? Whose side are you on? Government decisions. Well, whose side are you on for that decision? You gonna get the vaccine or are you not? Yeah, I just opened that worm can. You gonna get that? Whose side are you on? Are you pro-convoy, you anti-convoy? Whose side are you on? Pro-abortion, not pro-abortion. Pro-life, whose side are you on? You see it all the time. We see it not only in the public sphere, we see it in the private spheres. Let's bring it home. We see it in the private spheres of our lives, in our marriages. Oh, it's there, loved ones. We see it in our parenting. We're faced with it in the tasks and agendas. Our agendas really show whose side we're on. That we line up for ourselves to do each day. Make no mistake, church family, we are always confronted with the question of whose side are you on? And why is this message so important at this moment for this church and the church in our world today? 
Because you and I, whether we realize it or not, we face a big problem every day. Everyone in this room, including myself, faces the same problem. You'll face it when you wake up tomorrow. You'll face it when you're on your way home tonight. We often choose the wrong side. That's the problem. We so easily and subtly wander from allegiance to Christ as our priority to the allegiance to ourselves first, my way, my wants, my timing, my agenda. Our allegiance has shifted to us, to this world. I'm going to take on the values and attitudes of priority of that. We face and wander easily and subtly from allegiance to Christ to allegiance to our tribe. And if you're not in my tribe, then we've got a cancel culture for that. Because you're not on my side. And if you even disagree with me, I can't be around you. Because it's not loving for you to not agree with everything I say. I wish I was joking. This is our world today. Completely divided. And what happens is when our agenda, when we choose the wrong side, we increasingly take our eyes off Christ and put them on the world around us. And its agenda dictates and influences how we process the situations we face, how we pray about those situations, and ultimately about how we participate in them. And the result, homes are broken. This world is filled with darkness. As individuals, we walk in arrogance. And as the church, we are divided. It's a big problem. And you and I face it every day. You know, I think it was A.W. Tozer, he said this. <clears throat> he said, the devil doesn't need to destroy a Christian to render them ineffective. He only has to distract them. I'll just say that again and let it hang there and sink in, loved ones. The devil does not need to destroy a Christian to render them ineffective. He just has to distract them with the wrong agenda. And he loves to do it, doesn't he? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a big problem. You just distract them. Get them focused on the wrong thing. Remove them from whose side they're supposed to be on. Here's the big idea we see from our text today as Joshua is confronted with this same question. God's glory must be our priority, so submit to Christ alone. There's the big idea of the text today. Hear the word of the Lord. God's glory must be our priority. He's the side we're on. God's glory, not your glory in your life, not my glory, not the glory from this world or the, the uh, approval of man, God's glory must be our priority. And if it's going to be priority, what happens? Submit to Christ alone. There it is. 
And to do this, you say, how do we do this? Tells us right here in the text. If we're going to submit to Christ alone, we must lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes. Out of the horizontal, and lift them vertical. It's the only way we submit to Christ. And here in our text today, through the life of Joshua, who's struggling with the same things. That's encouraging, eh? Same thing. We see two faith postures we must stand firm in today, loved ones. If we are to stay faithful to the Lord in this time and see him advance his kingdom for his glory in and through us individually, through the families of this church, and through this church corporately. It is time, Hope Ottawa, to lift up our eyes. Lift up our eyes. You ready to go? Let's get our Bibles. Told you we were going to need them. Let's stand to honor the authority of God's word as we read from Joshua chapter 5, verses 13 to 15. Let's read this nice and loud. This is our very life. There isn't one word that's empty. It is the bread of life. Let's read it like we believe it. Let's go. The commander of the Lord's army, verse 13. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Hear the word of the Lord, all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. Let's get after it. First thing. Loved ones, we must lift up our eyes to see that the agenda must not be your own. Loved ones, lift up your eyes to see, my eyes to see, the agenda must not be your own or my own. See, only, why is that? Only God's agenda is for his glory. You see that? Only God's agenda is for his glory. 100% of the time, in all things. Whose agenda are you truly, truly? Notice that key word there? There's no coincidence. Truly pursuing. Truly pursuing. Not just saying you're pursuing, but truly pursuing. See, here in our context, the Israelites have left the wilderness and they've just entered the promised land. Moses has died. And his assistant, a warrior named Joshua, we'll hear more about Joshua next week, Lord willing, a warrior named Joshua is leading them now. And the Israelites are encamped on the outskirts of a city of Jericho, and it's the eve of their attack against Jericho. And we have to understand why this is so significant, that the commander of the Lord's army would come and visit Joshua the night before this battle. Why didn't he do that all the time? Why this one? Because we must understand this battle against Jericho was so strategic because Jericho's capture was an absolute necessity if Israel was to realize the promise the Lord had given to him back in chapter one, which we'll get into, Lord willing, next week, the, the promise of the promised land. 
the land of Canaan. So why is Jericho the toughest battle Israel's about to face in history? You see it on the screen. There's a picture of it there. I like this picture of Jericho. It is, uh, Jericho was an impenetrable fortress. It was humanly impenetrable. It was built by the Canaanites on a hill. If you were going to win battles, you got to build your, your fort, your city on a hill. It's a lot harder and you have the advantage of the bird's eye view on the opposing for, uh, forces coming against it. And so not only that was it built on a hill, but you see in a picture, it had double ringed walls where the bottom wall that you see right there was thought based on archaeological records is thought to be six feet thick. Just the bottom wall. But then the upper wall that you see there was actually 12 feet thick. It was actually so wide that people built their houses in the wall. You want to see that? Just go back to Rahab. And you'll see she lived in the wall with her family. Okay? And so this is not a little place. If we could sum it up, the Israelites are facing impossible odds here on a human level. They've got nothing. They've won a few skirmishes in the past, but nothing like this. And now look what happens on the eve of battle. Go back to the text. Read verse 13. So good. When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked. And behold, a man was standing before him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? Whose side are you on? See, Joshua was surprised to see this man. Behold, he's surprised to see this man standing before him and his sword drawn means that he was ready to fight the battle. And Joshua, notice, notice this. I love how God just uses very human people. Isn't that good? That's encouraging to me. I don't know about you, but that's encouraging to me. Joshua asked the same question we ask and we are asked today. Verse 13. Are you for us or for our adversaries? Whose side are you on? Ours or theirs? Pick a side. Does that sound familiar? If we're going to move any further here, we got to get it right. We got to get that clear. And I would direct your gaze in God's word to verse 14 and the first part of it. And I pray this would be the response of every person who calls Hope Ottawa their home church. Highlight verse 14a. It says this, And he, the commander of the Lord's army, said, No. Huh? Are you for us or for our adversaries? No. But I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And now I have come. See, the Lord answers by saying that he's on his own side. He says, 
No. Would you be a little frustrated by that answer? It's not kind of giving you what you want. Yo, whose side are you? No. You for me? No. You for them? No. What? This isn't going as I would like. See, the Lord's answer shows that the Lord is for his own glory. This is what he needs to get into Joshua's heart right now before any of these major battles take place. God is for God's glory. Alone. He's for his own plan, which is perfect, which is good, which is loving. He's for his own agenda, which is perfect, which is good and glorious. Now let's get an idea of who this commander of the army of the Lord, who is this? Well, what we see right here in this text is that this commander is actually the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ himself. In the Old Testament, you have the angel of the Lord appear, but not all of them are this commander of the army of the Lord. This is actually Jesus Christ pre-incarnate himself, and we'll see why in just a moment. And he tells Joshua that he commands, just look at this as your savior. Look at this. He commands a greater power than any human ability could create or prevail against. Who can take out our God? No one. Not even Jericho, the mighty fortress. He's the mighty fortress. Amen? He represents the angelic host, the army of the Lord that he had at his command that would fight with him for the glory of the Lord. He leads a supernatural army. Now this, okay, let's go back to the answer to the question for a second. Why didn't the Lord answer Joshua's question the way Joshua wanted him to? Do you ever, when you read that, you're like, why'd you answer that way? Why you just say, yeah, Joshua, I'm totally for you. I'm all about you. We hear that a lot in Christendom today. God's all about you. God's about his glory and he loves you and he created you to display that glory. But he's about his glory. Why didn't he answer in the way Joshua wanted to? See, because God's priorities, his agenda for what he wanted to take place in this situation, it was different than Joshua's right here. Joshua's agenda was his victory in battle. The victory, the battle. God's agenda was for a greater work. A greater work. God is not promoting. He did not hear. He will not now. He's not promoting man's glory or man's agenda. God will not do that. That's where the prosperity gospel is a complete heresy from hell. God will not promote man's agenda. Man's glory. God will uphold his, his right, impartial, true, righteous, and just agenda. And his response showed here to Joshua that he will not be partial in any human affiliation that Joshua tried to tie him to. 
God is impartial, loved ones. And here's Joshua trying to tie him. Are you for that camp or this one? No, I'm not a partial God. And that God alone was in control of this situation they were facing and would fight for his glory alone. He's saying this to Joshua. Here's what he needs them to get. Joshua, you're about to go out and fight in my name. In my name. But my agenda isn't ultimately your MO. Yours is. And you're going to claim the name of God while doing it. How many of us are doing that right now today? I'm going to pursue my own agenda, but I'm going to claim it. Oh, it's all for God's glory. But God looks at the heart and says, are you sure? Are you sure? Because Joshua... I'm looking into your heart right now, and you just drew a battle line that shows your heart is not for me. It's in my name, but it's for your glory. How many of us are serving in his name, but for our glory? Think, be be careful. If anyone thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall. Watch it, loved ones. It's all for God's glory, is it? Is it? That's what Joshua would have said here until a moment ago. See, write this down. You'll see it on the screen, church. The question isn't whether God is on our side, okay? The the real question is, are you and I on his? The real question isn't, God, are you on my side? The question is, are you on his? Are you on for his glory? Are you on for yours? You on his agenda? His timing, his way, his purposes, or yours? That's tough, eh, loved ones? Can we just admit, like, everyone say, that's tough. It's tough. It's tough, and I struggle with that too. See, only God's agenda is for his glory. Whose agenda are you truly pursuing? Not what you're claiming to pursue, truly pursuing where your heart is is the question we're asking ourselves god are you going to get with me on my side you're going to join my tribe and do things the way i want and do things when i want and do things how i want you're going to join me that's most of what our prayers reflect if we're honest or is it god please search my heart lead me in your word You're right, I'm wrong. I'm taking godly counsel and I ask you to break me of my own agenda and this world's that festers in my soul. The temptation is great, loved ones. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done. My kingdom go. I'm not going to try to bring you in to my camp. Are we doing this in our marriages? Don't we do this? Remember I said we're going to bring it home? In our marriages, we ask God to do this. We're like, God, would you please just change my spouse the way I want them to be? It's like, God, whose side are you really on? Are you on their side or mine? Because if you're on mine, you're going to change them. Beloved brother or sister, start, Lord, change me to reflect your glory first. Don't we do it in our parenting too, though? 
I don't know about you. I've only been at this parenting game for 13 years now. But we do this in our parenting, don't we? Lord, change our children how I want them to change. Change them. Change them. I'm just like, this is going nuts. Please change my kids. God's like, whose agenda are you really for here? I've got a work to do. Your job's to disciple, to plead and intercede, to point them to me. And then I can work how I want, when I want. And it's not really going to be on your timetable or based on your convenience or energy level. Love you. Here's another one. Maybe it's maybe a child that you've been praying for for years, a prodigal child. And you're like, Lord, would you bring them home now, please? Would you bring them home now? And you're about to lose hope. Don't lose hope. You keep praying. As long as you're not dead, God's not done using that prayer. So keep praying. Maybe it's our plans. Lord, bless what I do. I would like to have this. I want this. And maybe it's even for a good thing. Maybe it's even for a good thing. But are you asking God to get on your side and say, God, just bless it. Can you do this now, please? Really? Really? Whose side? Whose side are you really on? Let's just be honest, church. Maybe in the issues that we're facing in this world, racism, you see that confronted. Whose side are you really on? Abortion. Whose side are you really on? The economy. Just caught all, this, all these things causing so much division and hostility, even in the churches today. How'd the whole COVID thing go with uniting the church, huh? A lot of it got divided, and the ones that kept their eyes on the Lord stay unified. These aren't comfortable things to talk about, but they're necessity to talk about. Because God's word speaks to these things. See, here's the thing we need to get, what God's trying to get to Joshua right here. You'll see it on the screen. Write it down. You can't be filled up with God's agenda if you're filled up with your own. You can't be filled up with God's agenda if you're filled up with your own. He says, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But if we're not opening our mouths to him saying, God, I need you and humbling ourselves, you can't be filled up on his agenda. See, and as Christians, here's what we have to understand, church. As Christians, the grace we have been given through Jesus Christ by his shed blood on that cross and salvation in him, that grace does not give us the right to live on our own agenda, but it gives us the power to live on his it's not a, grace is not an excuse to go on sinning. Well, there's grace for that. It's all just grace. No, grace was given to us so we'd have the power to stop. Whose agenda are you truly pursuing? Lift up your eyes and see the agenda must not be your own. It's where it all starts. This is where he's going. You're going to rush the battlefield, Joshua? You're still about Joshua. And as we lift up our eyes, and we submit to God's agenda, look at this, we realize that our allegiance must be to Christ alone. Our allegiance. Who's on your side? When you're asked that question, whose side are you on? You say, my allegiance is to Christ alone. He's my banner. He's my banner. Allegiance must be to Christ alone. Who are you giving your allegiance to, loved ones? Just be honest. Who are you giving it to? Let's go to 14b. 
This is beautiful. And he, the commander, said, 14a right there, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And now watch this. Watch Joshua's response right here. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? See, notice what happened when Joshua took the time to draw near to the Lord, his first response, when he drew near and he saw God for who he really was at that moment, he, the Lord in his kindness exposed Joshua's heart of pursuing his own agenda in this battle. Notice Joshua's first response. It was not to rush the battlefield. You see it? It wasn't just to go off and do his thing because it's not his agenda anymore. His allegiance isn't to himself It's not to a brand. It's not to a people group. It's to Christ alone. And so he doesn't rush the battlefield to go complete the task that was in front of him. But notice his first response right from the text. It was to worship. To worship with humility. Notice the beautiful humility. Joshua fell on his face. The posture of humility and submission. And worshiped said to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? There's there. Now God has Joshua. Surrender. Worship. Reverence. Awe. Hey, can I just ask you a question as I got challenged with this? What's your response? Your first response when the pressure's on? Pressure's on Joshua right here. You got a big battle coming up and you have an untrained army. What's your first response in that situation you're facing right now where you feel the heat or the weariness? Is it to rush the battlefield or is it to get low and worship? Now notice this. This response of Joshua showed his recognition of whose battle it really was to fight. The guy with the sword I'm going to humble myself under him. He's going to take care of me. It's his battle to fight. And where the only source of Joshua's strength and power would actually come from. And notice this. I talked about this earlier. How Who's this mysterious commander of the army of the Lord? Here's where we see that it is the Lord Jesus himself. Did you catch it? Go back to the text. Did you catch it? The commander accepts the worship. He receives Joshua's worship. Who can do that? Christ alone. See, all throughout Scripture, whenever someone tried to worship an angel of the Lord or a servant of the Lord who represented God but wasn't God himself, they were quickly instructed to worship only God himself. You say, what do you mean by that? Look at Revelation 22, 8, 9. I'll just read it to you. Revelation 22, 8, 9. We talked about Revelation and John's vision and, or that earlier in the worship set. Here's John. He says, verse 8, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. So John's ready to worship the angel. He goes low. Look at the angel's response when he realizes who his king is. But he said to me, you must not do that! Exclamation mark. You must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you, John. 
You and your brothers and the prophets and with those who keep the words of this book, and he finishes with this command, worship God. Worship God. Or we see it in Acts chapter 10, 25 to 27. Peter goes to Cornelius' house. The Holy Spirit does a magnificent work there. What does Cornelius do? He falls down at Peter's feet to worship, and Peter's like, no, get up. I'm a servant. I'm just a mere servant. Every time. And those are just two examples. What does the commander do? Does he pull Joshua back up? He receives it. Because he's worthy of it. That's the only proper response. And notice in 14b, while being in the presence of the Lord, Joshua's posture, did you see how his whole posture changed? When his heart starts to change, it changed from wanting God to answer him on his terms. Are you for us, you for me, or for them? Pick a side, man. And now all of a sudden he's like, what what does my Lord say to his servant? Whatever you want. His posture changes to being in a place of total surrender and dependence on the Lord in coming to God on God's terms and not expecting God to come to him on his terms. Posture changed. He says, what does my Lord say to his master? Is that what he says? What does my Lord say to his servant? Submission, I'm ready. Hey, this, this it seems so obvious, but we need to be reminded of it. You want a great tip to living on God's agenda and keeping your allegiance to Christ alone in this world? Then don't live life like you're God's master. Don't live your life like you're God's master. That's a pro tip, because I try it all the time. It doesn't work. And you may say this. You may say, well, I don't do that. He's totally God and, and I'm created. Okay, here, 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 hold on. Let me just push back a little bit. You complain about anything this week? And all God's people said, ouch. Every time we complain, here's what we're saying. Let's just put this out there. God, I know better. I'm the master. I see the full picture. I can't trust you. How's the complaining this week? Don't live your life like you're God's master. Will we humble ourselves? What does my Lord say to his servant? It's hard and it's weary and it's uncertain and I'm tempted with anxiety and fear and depression and whatever else, just darkness. But what does my Lord say? Because I'm the servant, you're the master. How many, how many of us here, how many watching online, start the day before any activity, before rushing the battlefield, before getting into any activity, and how many of us throughout the day, in the midst of the activities, humble ourselves before the Lord, taking his word and saying, what does my Lord say to his servant? And abiding with him and waiting. Before anything else, before you get out the door, before you get breakfast ready for the kids, the spouse, whatever, just what does my Lord say to his servant? Do you have my heart, God? I want to give it to you. I'm not going to play God today. It's exhausting. And notice verse 15, last verse. And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, okay, Joshua, 
He falls on his face, standing right before him, and he says this, take off your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy. And look at this, without hesitation, without the defensiveness now, whose side are you on, all this stuff. It says those beautiful four words, and Joshua did so. I don't know about you, loved ones, but in my life, and I need God's help for every inch of this in my life, so I won't do it on my own. I want my life to wave that banner, and Ray did so. By the power and strength that God supplied, God said it, and Ray did so. Do you want that? Do you want that allegiance in your life to Christ alone? You want that agenda? You want to see his glory? That's the way you see it. Not, and Joshua did so when he felt like it. And Joshua did so when it was easy. And Joshua did so when he could see how the situation was going to end up. And Joshua didn't know. Joshua did so. He didn't know how the battle was going to turn out yet. It's not till verse 2 that he tells him he's going to give him Jericho. Joshua did so. See, here's what we need to see here. Joshua's response here showed a genuine faith, trust, and humility to do this. Please, please, please write this down and remember this. Trust God's presence more than your perceptions. Trust God's presence in a situation more than what you think you see. You and I don't see the whole picture. Don't play God. Don't be the master. Trust God's presence, not your perceptions. Because newsflash, your perceptions, my perceptions are often wrong. We don't see how God's going to provide, but he promises he will to his children. We don't see if the healing's going to happen, but he promises to it's going to be in heaven and he's going to give you all the things you need. If it's not going to happen in this world, it's going to happen there if you're saved in him. And he's going to give you all you need to go through that faithfully for his glory. Trust his presence more than your perceptions and what we think should happen. See, a right relationship with God. Did you catch it right here? Loved ones, so beautiful. Such an intimate moment. A right relationship with God above any any military preparation was to be of first importance. It was to Joshua and God's people here. It is to God's people, the Christians today, his church. It is to be of first importance. What is for you first importance? The task, the battlefield, rushing it, or a right heart before the Lord? You see, God always must be the priority in whatever situation we're in. That's what he's trying to show Joshua right here. I didn't have your heart there, Joshua. And God is always more concerned. Hear this. Hear the word of the Lord. God is always more concerned about our holiness in that situation than our hastiness to get through it. I'm going to say it again. God is always number one priority, more concerned about our holiness in a situation than our hastiness just to get through it. He is here with Joshua. He is here with you and I today. 
And as we launch into the new ministry, your loved ones, I gotta tell you, it's exciting, but we would be deceiving ourselves, as exciting as that is, if we think we could run after it and do all those things in the name of God, but at the expense of a right relationship with him. What's of first importance to you? See, if you ask God the same question, how many of you, like, like what does my Lord say to his servant? How many of you, how many of me, like, how, how often do I do this, would like God to answer by saying, okay, Joshua, what does my Lord say to his servants? You've got this big battle here, right? So here, I want you to do this action. Here's your battle strategy. Do these three steps, and everything will be okay, and it'll be all completed. Would you like that? That's what Joshua, what does my Lord say to his servants? He's like, just tell me what to do, and I'm going to go do it. Tell me how it's going to end up, and all this stuff. You'd like that. Joshua would like that. I would like that. But notice God's battle strategy for Joshua and for us today. God's, quote-unquote, battle strategy for Joshua is for him to uh, <clears throat> take his shoes off. Yeah, you're going to go fight. Uh, just remove your loafers. First. Huh? That's the strategy? That's the strategy. Remove your shoes. See, this is so radical from the world. The world's first priority is this. When we're faced with a situation where we don't think we have control over it, and there's all that uncertainty, and we're in a hole, or we're feeling weird, it's like, it's like here, first priority. Lace them up and go. Take it into your own hands. Do it. Do everything. Forget the Lord. Just get busy. Get busy because there's got to be something there. Lace them up and go. Notice God's, notice God's strategy for that situation. Take them off and get low. Don't lace them up and go. Take them off and get low. I got this battle, he says. But you don't have me. That's a problem. Don't lace them up and go. And forget about me. Take them off and get low. There's God's plan. Are we? I must trust God's presence over my perception because in his presence, there's power and joy and faith and peace and love and grace that you will not know if you just rush ahead without them. Thinking you and I know best. We have to realize this, loved ones. God wants our intimacy over our activity. I'll say it again. God wants our intimacy with him over our activity for him. And yes, we must work out our salvation. And yes, we are called to serve, but not at the cost of first priority. The activity is an overflow of the intimacy. If it's going to be faithful. Overgrowing, overflowing of a love for him. And here's the truth we need to understand. You'll see it on the screen it's a shot to our pride. We are most useful to God when we are on our knees before him. You come in a prayer night? September 20th. Don't miss that. That is the furnace. We're dedicating this ministry here to the Lord. Are you going to get on your knees before the Lord? That is where we are most useful to him, when we are submitted to him. Not when we're drawing lines in the sand. This is what Joshua needed to understand before the battle. He had to win. God had to win the battle of the heart first. See, God's chief concern is not our action, but our affection for him and allegiance to his first. Don't rush the battlefield. Seek his face. Question. Your allegiance is to be to Christ alone. Who or what 
has yours. And you may say this, as I did for a long time. You may say this, well, I'm too busy to just sit before the Lord and abide with him. I'm too busy. There's, there's mouths to feed. There's a job to have. There's chores and tasks to do. I'm just too busy. Things need to get done. Things need to change. And in love, Hope Ottawa, this is a great time to reevaluate that mindset as we launch into the ministry. Or in love, I will say this. Sometimes we think we're too busy to worship. Sometimes we think we're too busy to get in God's word and ponder it, not drive through, fly by, sit with him, meditate, ponder. Sometimes we think we're just too busy for that, to pray. And that is a great mistake. As abiding at the feet of our Savior, just like he's calling Joshua to do right here, is the lifeline to our greatest source of strength, wisdom, and provision. And some of us, it means we've got to go to bed earlier so we can get up earlier. Some of us, it's going to mean saying no to other things so we could say yes to first importance. You see it right here, loved ones. Don't make that mistake of avoiding it. See, God's chief concern was not the provision of victory. You see in Joshua 6.2, a few verses later, he's already speaking of the victory in past tense. I have given it to you. They haven't even fought it yet. His main concern was not the provision of victory, but their pursuit of the real victor. And every day, church, every day, brothers and sisters, friends, we must choose afresh to give our allegiance to Christ alone every day and walk abiding in him intimately and obediently with him. Why? Because if not, we will make our allegiance to us, the task itself, this world, and make our glory our agenda, and we will love it. So what situations or events are you facing today and you're tempted to align yourself with the ideals, attitudes, agenda of this world or yourself. Will you lift up your eyes, church, to seek Christ's agenda above all and to hold fast in allegiance to Christ through all? Can I give you some unshakable hope as we close out here? The same commander that came to Joshua in his hour of need, hear it, is now our commander-in-chief, Jesus Christ who commands us to draw near to him each day that he would draw near to us. In fact, I heard it said this way. He wants us to draw near to him so bad that he gave us the Holy Spirit. And out of John 16, 7, did you know that the Holy Spirit in you is better than Jesus beside you? The intimacy Joshua is having here was nothing compared to the intimacy you and I have if we've repented of our sin and confessed Christ as Lord. He literally lives in you. And his power and his grace and his mercy and forgiveness and joy is in there. Jesus Christ, who 1,400 years later came again to earth, not as the pre-incarnate version, but incarnate, taking on flesh, as fully God and fully man to win another battle, a battle much greater than Jericho, the battle against the sin of this world. 
And after living a perfect life, he went to the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He died and he rose again. Hey, kids, 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 eyes up. Did you hear this? You need to hear this, loved ones. Don't miss the gospel tonight, guys. Eyes up here. I love seeing your eyes. Way to go. Love it. Love it. Kids, Jesus Christ came to die for you. He shed his blood because he loves you. And the worst thing you could do right now is ignore that truth and refuse him and ask him to come to you on your terms. He came in flesh to die for you. And he rose again three days later, taking the penalty for your sin, defeating the power of that sin and death and granting forgiveness and eternal life to all who would repent of their sin and confess him as Lord and Savior. And hear this, hear this. If you're here and you have never, never confessed Jesus as your personal Savior, you are not here by accident. The same commander that gave the victory in his sovereignty to the Israelites is the same commander today who in his sovereignty has brought you here so that you could taste and see the greatest victory that he purchased for you on the cross. Do not ignore him. When you hear his voice, do not harden your heart because it is time, loved one, to stop running from him and aligning yourself to this world thinking it's gonna bring you deliverance, hope, and life. You, and I say this with all the love I can muster up, you are wrong and deceived in thinking that. You will never find what you're looking for truly apart from Christ. And the only place, I say this in love, I want to say it with all the gentleness I can, the only place your agenda and you running down that agenda will take you is further from him and ultimately to hell. That's where our own agenda will take us. You can fight it all you want, but at the end of the day, he's the Lord and what he says goes. Today, when you hear his voice, will you harden your heart? Joshua heard his voice and he said, what does my Lord say to his servant? And brothers and sisters, big idea from the text. We see it again right here. God's glory must be your priority. So lift up your eyes and submit to Christ alone. Stop drawing lines in the sand on things that don't matter. Wave the banner of the Lord and watch him Fight, watch him receive glory in and through you. Repent of where your allegiance is divided and where your agenda and glory is your priority. Humble yourself, return to God declaring, what does my Lord say to his servant? And I, by your grace and power, will do so. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, what a beautiful truth, God, that you wanted to show to Joshua 3,400 years ago, and now you show us again today. We desperately need you, and you came to earth that we would know you intimately. You want our holiness before our hastiness. You want our affection before our action. And yes, there are battles to fight and there's obedience to be had, but it is in your power overflowing from an intimate love for you in that which we are faithful. Help us. Oh, help us, Lord. I confess for myself, I'm so tempted to rush into the next thing. I'm so tempted to rush the battlefield, to want to have comfort and control, all this stuff. God, and I pray right now, just as a church, we just, we just stop. 
time to take our shoes off and just get low before the Lord. And we just need to ask him before we go into the next song, what does my Lord say to his servant about that situation that's on your heart right now? That relationship, that hardship, that health crisis. What is it? Just in a moment, just in faith, just as Joshua did right here, hit the deck and say, Lord, you are my God. And I don't know how this story is going to end. I don't. I don't know how you're going to see me through this situation, but I know you will. I know you will. And the ultimate story, I know I'll be with you, secure and safe. In faith right now, just cast that on him. What is it? What's burdening your heart? Just pause. Recognize his holiness his goodness, his love for you afresh today, that he would send his son to die for you. For those of you who've never confessed Christ, just even right now, say, Lord, I surrender my life to you. You want a personal relationship with Christ? Just take this moment, repent of your sins. Say, Lord, I turn from my own agenda, my own sin, and I turn to you. You're my God. I am your servant. I am your child. Save me, and he will. Well, God might have our activity, but does He have our hearts? Oh Lord, I pray right now you'd see all across this church just surrender that same posture of surrender. We need you. Help us to love you more. Help us to want to want a posture like this more. When we leave here, when we're tempted to go back and draw sides and all this stuff, Lord, we're on the side of you. As a church, I pray this for our elders. I pray this for our staff. Like one allegiance, Christ alone, one message, the gospel alone. One word that is sufficient and inerrant and truthful for training in righteousness. One pursuit, God's glory through one mission. Make disciples, may it be so. Help us to lift our eyes up. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Loved ones, um, we're going to stand now. Or you can stay seated and just do business. You want to get on your knees, whatever. But we're going to respond with a worship song that <clears throat> is one of our church's favorites. It talks about Psalm 121 where the psalmist says, I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. And if you want to respond in your chair and just saying, Lord, help me get there tonight, do that. You want to respond on your knees? Do it. You want to respond standing with your hands raised? Do it. You know, Joel mentioned that we joined the heavenly chorus before we sang Revelation song, right? We joined the heavenly chorus and what they're declaring to this beautiful commander on his throne right now. Here's what I want to say. Can we give them a run for their money down here? Can we do it? There's a loud noise going on in the throne room right now. And let's declare it, whether it's from the silence of your own heart of casting it or whether it's through the expression of your mouth. Let's go, knowing that our foes are many, they rise against us. But oh my God, he will not delay.
our refuge and strength. Let's stand and respond in worship if you're ready.